Good morning. Grace and peace I bring you on behalf of some 30,000 brothers and sisters who worship within the Presbyterian tradition in the Philadelphia area. I am humbled to stand before you this morning as over the past four years I've gotten to know a little bit about this place through the eyes and heart of our son Dakota and his friends. I'm grateful for the journey he's been on and look forward to commencement this May. A special word of appreciation to Jonathan Walton, who's not here, and Lucy Foster-Smith for both the invitation and the warm welcome this morning. The Markin text that you heard read this morning is a very familiar one, one that challenges the cultural assumptions that we carry with us. So as we reflect on that, I invite you to a moment of prayer. God of all that has been, is, and will be, as we continue in our time of worship, may our hearts be open to your word this morning, that our hearts might stir with renewed conviction of who we are called to be in this world. We pray this in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. So when they came to Capernaum, and Jesus was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about along the way? Perhaps it has happened to you. You've worked really hard to treat your friends honestly and fairly, to not be judgmental. And then one day, you're not sure why you said it, but your friends overhear you speaking badly about one in your circle. And when they ask what you were talking about, the heat rushes through your body, and you could only meet their question with silence. Or perhaps you've committed yourself to help others understand the importance of ethics in our lives as a way of shaping culture. And one day, a person you've been mentoring overhears your conversation about possibly doing something that could be understood as questionable, if not outright unethical. And when she asked for clarity, you could only meet her question with silence. I suspect that most, if not all of us, have found ourselves in these uncomfortable predicaments, those moments when our actions and words, for whatever reason, reflect something completely the opposite of who we aspire to be. The reasons can be complex, perhaps we're having an insecure day, or perhaps we're simply venting our frustration at the moment. Whatever the cause, we are momentarily seduced by values that counter the core of who we are and say something that we really don't want others to hear, especially those we care about or respect. Caught and metaphorically naked, before that someone, we can only respond to their question or statement with silence. 
a silent of embarrassment and shame. Well, this is where we meet Jesus and his disciples this morning. And at this point in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus has done a whole lot of things. He's healed a leper, a deaf man, a blind man. He has raised a young girl from the dead. He has exorcised demons. It has been a busy eight chapters. And all his healings and actions reflecting his teachings and lifestyles, lifestyle that Jesus embodied for himself and for his disciples. This is a pivotal moment in Jesus' ministry as he is now turning his focus from where he came, Galilee, to where he's going, Jerusalem, that final destination that will take him to the cross. And for a second time in this gospel already, Jesus has shared with his followers the truth about that destination. So imagine, imagine what Jesus might be thinking when he overhears his disciples, his closest followers, his friends, discussing and arguing over what? Their individual greatness? Really? Now retired homoletician Tom Long puts it this way, Jesus has just announced his passion. He has just proclaimed that his own life involves suffering and sacrifice, and the astounding response of the disciples is to spend the rest of the day discussing which one of them will be MVP. And then, and when Jesus confronts his followers, when he asks what they were discussing, we're told, but they were silent. But they were silent. Now, we all know that there are different kinds of silence. Clearly not all silence is bad. There's the silence of deep reflection. As an extrovert, it took me a while to learn about the power of this silence. A silence that allows for that much needed continued growth and depth that makes space for it. There's also the silence of listening, understanding that it is good to learn from others, that one does not need to fill the room with words. This is especially challenging for really gifted people, that we do not need to fill the room with especially impulsive speaking that simply might show a bit of our insecurity or our inexperience. But then there is a dangerous silence. It is a silence that, if unaddressed, allows for the possibility of assumptions, of lies, of delusion to grow and the unspeakable to occur and spread. It is the silence that could hide an indifference or embarrassment causing us to simply do or say nothing. It is this kind of silence, I believe, is somewhat reflected in Mark 9. It is a silence prompted by shame that makes us want to hide and not speak of it ever. And when you and I get caught in this kind of silence, 
we can easily become paralyzed. We can easily become unable to be effective agents of change in a world that needs courage and vision. And as theologian James Cone says, we can't overcome something if we don't acknowledge it. Jesus understood this possibility about the silence of the disciples. He was not about to let their silence slip into the background, into that place of unresolved shame. So instead of simply reprimanding them or shaming them further, he responds with the actions and seriousness of a true rabbinic teacher. He calls the 12 and he sits with them and he takes the time to reframe what he has heard about their thirst for ambition. Notice that Jesus does not say ambition is bad because the truth is ambition in and of itself is not bad. On the contrary, I would say, ambition is a force within us that continues to propel us to be better than what we are, to live into our God-given potential. I think what Jesus does is brilliant. He turns the cultural understanding of ambition and greatness on its head. He shifts our understanding of ambition from one that would rule over others to an ambition that serves others. He shifts it from an ambition that would have things done for us to being a people committed to doing things for others. Now clearly the question of greatness has always been a challenge for humanity and the people of God are no different. What does it mean to be great? Well, Jesus reframes what we might understand to be great he reframes that greatness to reflect those who act with greatest grace, with greatest compassion, and greatest love for others. And to drive the point home, he picks up a child. Now, when we think of children, we're tempted to think of precious little people who totally depend on others to help them make their way. But we also not know that historically, Children have not been treated so preciously. They have been consistently viewed to be of little value, one more mouth to feed until they're old enough to work or bear children. So why a child? But even more importantly, what is it about this child? A child with no name, no voice, no face, no gender. Consider the power of this image. Jesus picks up one who is nameless, giving identity to those who are ignored in our culture. Jesus picks up one who has no face, giving a distinction regardless of color or race to all who are unseen. Jesus picks up one who has no voice, giving sound to all whose cries are not heard. Jesus picks up one with no gender, affirming that male or female are equally loved and embraced by our Creator. So this is where you and I come in. This is where we have been invited, like those very first disciples, to look in the mirror, if you will. We are invited to reframe our understanding of greatness and ambition 
not so that we might not be great or ambitious, on the contrary, so that we might use that greatness, that ambition, to give voice to all those things, to all those persons that have no voice in the world, for the need for continued research in medicine, for better health care, for immigration laws, for banking and economic justice, for education, for the end of racism, for care of the environment, for ways to consider how violence and war might cease. It is with ambition and commitment that we can help heal much of what plagues our world, to give voice to the silence wherever silence threatens, to allow the unspeakable to occur. German theologian and Nazi prisoner Dietrich Bonhoeffer reminds us, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. So what will it be for us, for me, for you who have the privilege and the burden of carrying a piece of this esteemed place into your future and into the future of the world? What will you do with this moment in time, with this unique shot you've been given to live, work, study in the context of this amazing place in all its imperfections? You already know, especially you students, you already know and professors, you're here because others have identified you as great in some way or another. But ultimately, your true greatness will be defined by an insatiable ambition to make our world a better place through the actions of compassion, justice, and love for those who cannot define it nor voice it for themselves. I'm inspired by the words of a great philosopher Albus Dumbledore, now you're with me here, when he says in Chamber of Secrets, it is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It is our choices. So choose well. Don't throw away the shot you've been given, whatever that shot might be. I'm a musical lover. So I'm going to leave you with the words of a writer, actor, young friend of mine whose musical hit, Hamilton on Broadway, is redefining Broadway precisely because it is giving voice space to those who have historically remained unseen and unheard as part of our historical foundation. They are the words attributed to Alexander Hamilton and the founding fathers and mothers as they dream about the country the nation they believe they have a part in shaping, not unlike you all. And it goes, and he does it much better, but it goes like this. I'm not throwing away my shot. I'm not throwing away my shot. Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. Friends, God has greatly blessed many simply to be a blessing to others. May we who have been blessed 
truly not throw away our shot. May we who have been blessed be that blessing. And above all, may we never allow the silence to go unheard. Amen.